Amen. We're going to be coming out of 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. And as we come into this new year, I've just sort of been praying for direction for our church and what we should uh, be looking at. And as I shared last week, one of my, one of my goals for the body is to um, maybe get us out of our complacency or um, sometimes laziness or our routine of just feeling content of where we're at and really seeing what it is that God would have for us to do. And I've prayed and really believe that the beginning of this is sort of looking at the Lord's Supper. He's given us a couple ordinances that, as believers, that we follow, and there's a purpose in them. I'm going to spend a couple weeks uh, on the Lord's table, um, coming together. What does it mean? The significance of it? What are some of the reasons that we do that? And then I'd really like to get into uh, just teaching on the church as a body. What are we to do as a body? What is our purpose? What is our role? What does it look like? Uh, what can we learn from it as we're going through Revelations? We're touching on that a little bit, but really just sort of fleshing that out. And what is it that God would have for us as a body? So in the, uh, in the 1 Corinthians 11, and that's where we always come from, where I always come from when I um, do the scriptures for uh, com communion. And I just use basically 23 through 26. Uh, on sometimes a little bit further than that but there's a whole almost a whole chapter that talks about uh, the Lord's table and really it tells us how to conduct ourselves uh, at the Lord's table it tells us uh, the institution of it uh, Paul is writing of this and, and Paul of course wasn't at the original uh, Last Supper but God had revealed things to him and so we're going to talk about that and then really the examining of ourselves what does that all mean and I'm actually going to start back in verse 17. This one starts actually at verse uh, 23. Did it go off? There we go. It'll come back on. Um, and it tells us this. Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions amongst you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions amongst you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat, uh, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. So here's the first part that he's talking about. And this is really the conduct at the Lord's Supper. And this was sort of a communal meal at the time. And what they were really talking about is that there was those that would come and bring their stuff and they eat and those that were without would go without. They weren't recognizing as a whole body. And I would talk about that sometimes others would uh, eat before they came so they wouldn't have to partake with some of the others that were there. And there was this disunity that was going on in the body. And so the way that we conduct ourselves at the, at the Lord's table is very important. Not only in just our actions but also in our attitudes and in the way that we think. And then it begins with our scripture up here where it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the same night in which he took bread, 
Um, in the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so here's part two of this, and this is really the institution of the Lord's table. This is what Jesus had revealed to Paul in the way that we do things. And he tells us right off that I received from the Lord and I delivered this to you. And he goes through this thing about being betrayed, but how Jesus took bread and how he had taken the wine and gave drink. And he says, for as often as you eat this, as often as you come together in this realm, in this situation, he says, you're going to do this in remembrance of me. And then he goes into this self-examination. And this is a very important part of the Lord's table or communion, whatever you want to call it, that I believe a lot of churches don't focus on or a lot of individuals don't focus on. And that's one reason why I like using Corinthians here. And it says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat and drink eat of the bread and drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body for this reason many are weak and sick sick amongst you and many sleep for if we would judge ourselves we would not be judged but when we are judged we are chastened by the Lord that we may be condemned with the world therefore my brethren when you come together to eat wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. So he's telling us here about a self-examination. When you are coming together, are you doing it with the right heart, with the right motive, with the right perspective? Now when we talk about the Lord's table, we're talking about what Christ has done for us at Calvary. We're talking about his life amongst us. We're talking about uh, the perfect lamb that was slain upon the cross. We talk about his blood that was shed for us. But we're also looking forward to his, his resurrection and his coming back for his people. So we celebrate many of these things. And so I want to talk today just about four reasons for the Lord's table. What are like four reasons that that we would take this? And first is to remember, verses 23 through 25. And so that's what he tells us. For I received from the Lord which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He's talking about us to remember, to remember him and what he has done. So we come together sometimes and we just go through formalities or we do it uh, because everybody else does it. One of the things I like uh, to always bring up about the ordinances, the two ordinances that we believe in are the Lord's table and baptism. And the Lord's table is easy for everybody to participate in because when we do it, it's going up and down the aisles. And really, if we do not take it, sometimes we wonder about, well, what's this person next to me 
going to think if I don't take it. They're going to think that I have undealt with sin in my life. And so we end up taking it. It's a, it's a participation thing that people sometimes take without really re- realizing the consequences. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Where baptism is something where somebody has to do individually and a lot of people don't like it to be done individually because they don't want people staring at them or looking at them. I've had people over the years say, well, you know, when I go under, I'm going to come up looking like a wet rat. I'm going to, you know, my clothes are going to be all wet. My hair is going to be a mess or, or whatever it might be. Or some people just don't like that attention put upon them. When we're doing it for those reasons, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. We're doing it because of us and not because of him. And so when we're talking about remembering what Jesus did for us, it has nothing to do with the person to our left or our right at this moment. It's our heart in what God has done for us. Whether a person next to us is, is observing the Lord's table or not should have really no effect on us having the Lord's Supper. And the same is with baptism. It shouldn't matter if there's one person watching or a million people watching. We're doing it because of what the Lord has done for us. So Paul is recalling really the the Last Supper with his disciples. When he comes here and he says, you know, that the Lord delivered to me, he's talking about, and we're going to get into this probably next week a little bit more, the Last Supper when Jesus was eating with his disciples. And that's really what he is recalling at this time. And so he tells us, you know, the Lord had revealed this to Paul. And he says, um, I received this from the Lord. Jesus was... um, interpreting something old which was the Passover meal and again we're not going to talk much about the Passover meal today we'll get into the significance of that in the next week or so but he was taking something old and transforming it into something new of what we would call the Lord's table but part of this Passover meal uh, was a lamb and we recognize Jesus is the perfect lamb don't we that was slain for our sins there was also um, unleavened bread Well, if we really get into looking at the bread, um, Jesus says, I am the bread of life, right? He's transforming all these things. When we look at the wine, you know, that signifies his blood that was shed for you and I. That was for payment for our sins. And so there's all these things in the Passover feast that are part of this Passover. And we're going to be talking about those later. But as we learn about what the Passover is... And as we learn about really what the Lord's table is, these things are going to really become rich and and significant to us in, in what they mean. Jesus was instituting something new. It was the communion of believers. So even though it's an individual thing, and we're going to be taking communion later today, even though it's something individual between us and God, it is also something communal that we do as a body of believers. That communal to bring us together. Communion as believers that are described in our text. And so the second thing that we look at here is to rejoice. Another reason that we celebrate or take the Lord's table is to rejoice. Paul states clearly that we're to proclaim something through our actions. We're to proclaim this thing that Christ has done for us. And we can rejoice in that. According to Thayer, he tells us this, proclaim means to announce or to declare, to make known, to proclaim publicly, to publish. That's how Thayer describes it. Webster describes it this way, proclaim means to declare publicly typically insistently proudly or defiantly and in other speech or writing to praise or glorify openly 
publicly to extol. So this is what Paul is really telling us that we're supposed to do through the Lord's table. This is why we rejoice in what God does. He tells us um, that the world that has died in sin can be made alive through Jesus Christ. He is risen. He will return for his church. And this is where we can rejoice in the Lord's table. We're not just celebrating the death and burial of Jesus, but we celebrate his resurrection, that he is alive, and that he is coming back for us. And so the Lord's table is, is huge in a lot of things that we look at. The third thing is to repent. We may not think of this much at, at the Lord's table, but it's really a time of repentance. Therefore, let a man examine himself. And so one of the, the challenges that I give in my prayers, you know, if we look at our heart and we know that we have things in our life that don't belong there, we lay them at the foot of the cross and we give them to God and we apologize or we are sorry. It's a change of heart, change of mind, change of direction in the things that we are doing. When we share in communion, we are given the opportunity to really examine ourselves before God. Now listen, we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and we say, Holy Spirit, what is it that I have in me that you would like to change? What is it that I have in my life that you would like to, to resolve or to make more Christ-like in my life? Okay? Because in our world today, we have a lot of people, and in the churches today, we have a lot of people that like to play the Holy Spirit in other people's lives. They're always busy wanting to correct other people's behaviors, and they're not really looking at their own. The Lord's table is a time when we look towards God, towards our behavior, towards the things that we can do. And so how can we live our lives towards God and towards our brethren or towards the world in a better way, in a more Christ-like way? And it's at this point when we come together that we ask God to show us any errors in our lives, any things or any unclean ways, and allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of those things. Because if you change something just because I tell you, or you change because somebody's putting pressure on you for something, that change doesn't mean anything. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and God says, I want you to change this, and you change that, that has eternal um, uh, ramifications to it, eternal blessings to those things. So we repent. So what do we got so far? We remember Remember what Christ has done. We rejoice that he is alive. He is indwelling us. He has given us his Holy Spirit. He's coming again. We repent of our sins. And the last thing that we do, it's a time of reconciliation. Do we think of our reconciliation much? Verse 29 would tell us that. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judging to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. It's a reconciliation. To be reconciled Back to the Father, but not to the Father only, but to others. Remember, the church in Corinth was having problems. He started out saying, I hear that there are divisions amongst you. He knew that there was divisions. He knows that there's problems. Listen, in any church that you go to, you're there long enough, you're going to find out that there's problems, that there's divisions, that there's difference of opinions. There's always these things, and how you handle them depends upon you know, how they get resolved or if they don't get resolved. As we continue to the Lord in this memorial, we're given the opportunity to confess our sinfulness. Okay? Is it something to do with me? 
and our need of reconciliation. First to the Father. You know, if there are things that are in our life that don't belong there, that's a hindrance between us and God. And we need to deal with those things in our life. And they're tough things sometimes, and they're difficult things. And again, that's why he gives us the body, that, that we can help one another along in those things, that we can help each other grow. Part of the purpose of the church is, is to uh, equip and to teach and to edify and to encourage. You know, that's what we want to do as a body of believers. Reconcile means uh, to restore friendship or harmony. So, you know, when we talk about restoration, I want harmony with God. You know, it says that Jesus is closer than a friend. I want that relationship to be unencumbered. I want that relationship to be pure. It also means to settle or to resolve something. So if there's something that's not settled, if there's something that's not resolved between you and God, that needs to be dealt with. You cannot bury it. It's like having that sliver that that gets in there and, you know, you just want to ignore it because you know it's going to hurt to deal with it, right? You've got to dig it out. And that hurts, and sometimes it's worse before it gets better. But you know, as long as that sliver is in your hand, it's going to be there, and it's going to be a source of irritation. That's how it is in our relationship with God. If we don't deal with things, it's going to continually boil up and come around. I often say that if we're on this track of life, and and we decide to skip some hurdle because we think it's too high, God has a way of bringing us right back around to that same hurdle again. And we're not really going to be able to move on until we deal with that hurdle in our life. In the communion, we're given the opportunity not only to repent of these things, but also to be reconciled through the blood of Jesus with our fellow believers. Sometimes we have oughts with others. We have uh, disagreements with others. We've had hurt feelings with others. And if we're being reconciled back to God, God also says you need to be reconciled back to people. The Bible will tell us that we need to live peaceably with all men as much as depends on us. Listen, sometimes it's not always possible. Sometimes people don't want to receive the friendship or receive forgiveness or maybe people don't want to admit to their wrongdoings or whatever that is. That's not our baggage. That's not our problem. Our baggage is to live peaceably with all people as much as depends on us. We do whatever we can to keep peace. We do whatever we can to build the bridge, to be reconciled to others. Too many times we look at communion simply as as a giant between just God and us, but it's also a time between others. There's a couple other scriptures that I'm not going to get into today, but it says when you come to the altar to give your offering and you realize that you have or you re- there's two of them actually. One says that you have an odd against a brother So I have something against somebody. It says first go and make that right. And then come and give your gift. But there's another one that also says as you stand before God, when you realize that somebody has something against you, it says go and address that. And then bring your gift to God. See, it's on both sides of those things. Now you may go and and sometimes we're going to go to people and we're going to, you know, try to discuss it, try to seek forgiveness. They're not going to forgive Some people harbor that bitterness, but you've done what you can do. Sometimes you need to forgive people without them ever asking for forgiveness. That's another difficult thing for us to do. But sometimes you've got to let it go because if I'm harboring bitterness, if I'm harboring unforgiveness towards somebody, and I just hang on to that, it's, it's affecting me. It's got me in bondage. It doesn't have that other person in bondage. 
I've shared a story once in a while about a, a gentleman that I was sort of had a business deal with a long, long time ago, many years ago, and it sort of went south for a, a myriad of reasons. But I was so angry with this guy that every time I would see him on the streets, my, I could just feel my blood pressure go up. I could feel the veins in my neck come out. I was just all worked up. I was a Christian. And I, just, I was just angry because I felt this guy had taken such great you know, advantage of me, had, had taken advantage of me, and it just bothered me that, that he had done this. And there was one time I was sitting in a church service of a friend, a pastor that was preaching, and this gentleman was up front of the church and I was sitting in the back so you guys aren't the only ones that sit in the back and I could see that guy and all I could do was just sort of think and I was just sort of stirring that whole service I didn't even really get to hear what my pastor friend was, was preaching about because I was just so obsessed with that but the Lord revealed to me sometime during that service is you got to let this go this is destroying you and so I went to prayer right there and I just said you know Lord you know, forgive me for the feelings that I have had. I forgive him for whatever he's done. You know, Lord, forgive me. And the reality of it was, is when I would see this guy walking down the street and I'd get all worked up, he was just fine. He didn't, he wasn't worked up about anything. But I was, but that's what sin does. That's how the devil gets us. He gets a hold of us and, and he works us up. And so we need to resolve these things. We need to settle these things. We must remember that the purpose of communion is a time to reconcile broken relationships. Now if I would have gone to this guy and told him I forgive you he probably would have said, forgive me you don't have no reason to forgive me for anything and really probably what I needed to do was ask him for his forgiveness for holding on to those things for so long but when we release those things when we can have restoration, see I needed restoration with God because I was angry at God and God tells us be angry and sin not and so we need to really look at the purpose of communion. So we have the, the four reasons that we're going to talk about today or that we've talked about today. And that's to remember, to rejoice, to repent, and then to be reconciled. And the scripture will tell us this in reconciliation. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death presented you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. It's sort of a, a, a thing that when we come to reconciliation that we can look at. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the cross. It's one of the reasons when we come to the Lord's table that we're always focused upon what Jesus did at Calvary. Because it's an important thing. He died for us. And the question really is, is how can we remain angry at people for some injustices that have been done to us? When Christ has forgiven us of so much in our life. And then in 2 Corinthians it tells us this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen to that. As believers in Christ he has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That means our ministry is to reconcile with others. To reconcile ourselves with God. To reconcile ourselves with others. Maybe to help others reconcile themselves with one another. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the word to, world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. See, part of our message of reconciliation is, are you separated from God? Do you need a Savior? Let me introduce you to Jesus. 
and reconcile that because we know that sin separates us from God. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We talked a little bit about that last week. When we are an ambassador, we are a representation of God. And so God has made us his ambassadors, it tells us, as though God were making his appeal through us. Listen to that. God is using us. Tools and people that were broken, that were useless, that were of really no value in the kingdom and we've come to him he's called us we have responded and he says I have a purpose for your life I have meaning for your life listen he has given us this ministry of reconciliation he has made us an ambassador though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God God made him who has no sin to be sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, that's the first part of the Lord's table when we think about it. What God has done for us. And when we understand that, and when we can stand in that, and when we can walk in that, because God's word has declared it, and we believe it as truth, we can move on. We can move on to the things that God has called us to do. So it's a time to remember, it's a time to rejoice, a time to repent, a time to reconcile. I had this little phrase written that says, what are the consequences of taking it in an unworthy manner? You know, the scripture asks us, or tells us, he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment unto himself. Well, that becomes a sin. Because we're not taking it for the right reason. Paul said that we would be sinning against the body and the blood of our Lord, eating and drinking judgment unto ourselves. It's a very important thing when we come to the Lord's table that we not take it lightly. That we really do examine ourselves and if we have those things in our life, that we commit those things to Him. Listen, we may fall again, but it's the purpose of my heart at this moment, at this time, to give those things to God and to let Him deal with them. And so that's my purpose, that's my intent, that's what I want to do. All sin has consequences. Sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord also has consequences. So as we come to the Lord's table here in a few minutes, remember those things. Remember what Jesus went through for you. Remember what he has called you to. He has called you to something great. Rejoice that he died for you. And that he will call you again to be gathered with him in eternal glory. What a thing to think about. Our Savior lives. All the other religions have dead gods. They've all died and are buried and they live on something. Our Lord is alive. Repent of any sin that you have willingly committed in the past week or since the last time we come together. I tell people you don't need to wait for communion either to repent of sins. When you realize that you've sinned against God, we repent at that moment at that time. But then reconcile yourself to God and any brother or sister whom you might have broken relationship. Listen, it's tough and it's work, but God never said that being a Christian was just an easy thing. Unfortunately, churches that presented that way just come to Christ, everything's going to be great. It's going to be a flower field all the way around you. When really, many times, the battle's just begun. When you come to Christ, He has you for a purpose. You've enlisted in His army. Seeking others that are angry at you is not always easy. Asking forgiveness sort of breaks our, our pride and humbles us in many ways in our life. And those are tough things to do. Being rejected in those things can be difficult and can stir up other thoughts. 
But when we commit all those things to Christ, He is willing to do that work in our life. Let's pray.